Welcome to the SCMS Classical Conversation Podcast, taped live at the 2019 SCMS Winter Music Festival. I'm King FM's Dave Beck, and I hope you enjoy these in-depth conversations with festival musicians. By the way, you can find out more about the episodes and get details at seattlechambermusic.org and at king.org. Make sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and away we go. I've heard tell of a period in your life when you took a sabbatical from music. Yes. Um, when was this, and what sparked the need to do something completely different for a while? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd been living in New York for a while. Uh, this was in the 90s. I was, um, I was doing all, all these young concert artists, um, a, con- a lot of solo concerts, a lot of chamber music, and I was in some ways feeling very successful and in other ways feeling like I was heading into this kind of rut that, that I was worried I was going to be stuck in for a long time. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just something about, you know, the artistic thing. Like you want to, you, you almost have to get away in order to change your path a little bit. And, um, and so I was worried, uh, yeah, living in New York that I, I, I was just kind of running from one thing to the next um, because I needed to pay my rent and all that sort of thing. And, and, um, and even though I really liked what I was doing, I felt like, to, to, be, to be happy later, I should take some time off. And so that was my first idea. I was like, oh, I gotta take a year off. Maybe I'll quit playing for a while and that'll be helpful somehow. And oh my goodness, I, like all my friends and colleagues, I just thought I was, uh, like had, you know, probably like jumped off a building or something. Like they really felt like I had lost it completely. Because uh, it, it's true that, you know, as a musician who's, you know, trying to make it, like, about the worst thing you can do is take a year off. Um, and, um, but I, I went ahead with the plan. I, um, I, I spent a few months, uh, you know, kind of driving around and visiting family and things that I hadn't done a lot of for a while. Uh, I quickly ran out of money. And I was still living in New York. And so I, I started looking for jobs, like regular jobs in New York. And so I ended up, um, I worked at the Disney store at uh, at Times Square, the store where the Lion King would feed out into. And I worked in an office. um, And I also ended up working for an employment agency where I actually went to get work, but I ended up working for them. And so I had these three jobs um, that were all running. And the the Disney store one was was especially, it was fun in many ways, but I worked the the shift uh, until 2 a.m. most of the time. And because uh, the, the Lion King got out at 11, 12 or something like that. And so, so the story remained open until midnight. And this is a very long story. Okay. So, um, so the, the thing was is that actually it was, in retrospect, I think the best thing that I could ever have done because it was so far removed. And yet the people that I met were all, you know, like from different walks of life, different stages of where they were going. Um, and I suddenly felt that I was actually so lucky to be a musician and doing what I really love doing. And by kind of getting away from it, I, it reaffirmed that, that value. And it also made me, like, I, I was suddenly open to almost anything that would come my way. And, um, and so it was funny because I, I, I did a lot more new music after, I, after that year because uh, that was something I was interested in. 
And I, you know, a friend invited me to come and play in the Charleston Symphony in South Carolina for a little while. I, I did that. I decided I didn't want to do that either. Um, and then I got invited to University of Toronto to, you know, to apply for a teaching job. And I thought that was the most hilarious thing that I'd ever heard. I'd never taught a single student, like never. And, um, and so I, I remember like I kept going to these things in Toronto. I'd be like, actually, I have zero experience. I have not taught at all, and, but I'm happy to play for you and I could talk about what, you know, what I love about music and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so they give me the job. And, and probably the reason they gave me the job was because I was so convinced that they were not going to give me the job. Like, I was <laughs> relaxed about it because I thought they'd be crazy to give me the job. And, um, and then that started a whole new side. You know, I, 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 I had a mission to become a good teacher and I tried very hard and I tried to develop chamber music there and it was all great, um, a great learning experience. What a great reset, it, it, it Exactly, seems. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> How were your calluses after? I mean, was were you literally not playing? I really didn't play. Wow. Yeah, I really set the violin aside, and actually, yeah, it was it was painful. Yeah. Not only uh, finger wise, but also like your ear. I, I guess I, I never realized that the ear beside the violin, um, basically, I guess, has a certain amount of deafness from, um, and it actually rebuilds. Like so, during that year, I regained hearing in this ear, and when I came back to it, it was like, oh wow, that is loud. <laughs> Like, I mean, the, the E string, like the high, the high stuff. Um, so that was, that was fascinating. I, I mean, that sounds like a, just a great lesson in, in the, the physicality of the instrument or, you know, just True. How, how finely tuned you are as an artist, you know, physically from the fingers to the, to the ears. And, right. Um, but, but I do advise it sometimes because I, I think musicians are, you know, are often, I think, afraid to take even little vacations. And, you know, I, I constantly, you know, see people like dragging their violin to the Grand Canyon or, you know, like, like things that are just kind of silly because, you know, you can take a break. It's okay. You know, you can get it back, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, so we are in this city that is uh, adopting to the fact that we've got a new tunnel constructed. Uh, our big <laughs> viaduct is coming down. Right. Uh, my uh, habits in terms of trans public transportation have completely shifted. I take the water taxi and then the bus to work. I've right. been a single occupancy vehicle fellow for a few years and that's all changed. Uh, public transportation is a real passion of you. Yeah, and yeah, we, we, we tie it back to trains right, and right. Vorjok. But um, just in closing here, get, give us a little sense of why, how that has so taken hold with you and how, how you advocate for public transportation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think it all started probably, we lived in France for a year when I was a kid. My, my, my father was a French teacher. And, um, and so th that was a very different experience from, from my kind of smaller town in Canada. And, uh, and I, I became obsessed with, with the Paris Metro um, and the trains around Paris and all this sort of thing. And, and so basically ever since then, I've, I've been a big fan. I've, I've been lucky because as a musician, I travel a lot and I try to really never take taxis. Um, you know, always, if I can, take, uh, take the bus or train and that sort of thing. And I, I just find it a great way to, to experience the city, um, to really see more people, to, I, I mean, I, I find that basically every transit system, you know, has its own style and you, you, you definitely, you know, meet a different set of people that way. Uh, so that can be very rewarding. Um, at, when I've taken some time off, which I, I also did a little more recently, uh, I actually joined a couple of organizations that lobby for transit and uh, for better rail 
service and also fascinating. Uh, you know, you realize that any of these kind of government lobby groups, it's like an exercise in futility and it's, uh, it's, it's you know, it's, things do not happen quickly. Mm. Like negotiating playing a passage in a Beethoven. It's, right. it gets, it's, it's on that level of complexity. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Um, well, Scott, there's so many more things that we could talk about, but I, I think we'll uh, let you get off and um, ride a bus or go to rehearsal or whatever <laughs> you'd like to do this afternoon. Excellent. But thank you so much for the time and for the beautiful music making, and we're really looking forward to hear, hearing you play this winter. Well, thank you for having me here right. today. Great. Scott St. John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Classical Conversation podcast. Thanks to Steinway Gallery of Seattle for hosting today's conversation. This podcast is a co-production of Seattle Chamber Music Society and King FM. Bill Levy is our recording engineer. Nikhil Sarma produces the program. SCMS and Seth Tompkins provide oversight. To learn more, go to seattlechambermusicsociety.org or to king.org. Hope to have you back with us for the next episode.